Hey, good morning, everyone. Yeah, like they said, my name's Evan, and my wife Sandy and I have the joy of leading this church. And if you could, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12. That's where we're going to camp out today. We're going to be there all, all morning. And if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Yes, raise your hand. We'll get you a Bible. Beautiful. 1 Corinthians 12. So as they pass out those Bibles, by the way, those are yours to keep if you don't have one, if you don't own one. Um, we are in a three-month series, about three or four months. Uh, do you know, you know what the title of the series is? Yes, good. You guys are with us. You're here. Receive the Holy Spirit. So from April all the way through July, by the way, somehow, bizarrely, it's July. Does that feel weird? Well, here we are. So this is the last month of this series. And our goal is to get to know this person, the Holy Spirit of God. Who is he? What does the Spirit want to do in our lives? And how do we open ourselves to what he wants? That's what we're talking about. He has goodness and power for us. How do we open ourselves to it? And so last week, one of our pastors, Aaliyah Persley, she gave an incredible teaching on, on spiritual abuse, actually, and how Jesus and the Holy Spirit brings healing and wholeness out of our chaos. It was a beautiful, raw teaching. I recommend you listen back to it. And I, I, today, we're talking about the flip side. I love what Greg Pikin, one of our pastors, Greg, he said this about last week and this week. He said, this is... These are two weeks about the Trinity, how the Trinity heals us. We often talk about how our father wounds find healing in the person of God the Father, and how our sin and relationship wounds really find forgiveness and healing in the person of the Son, Jesus, at the cross. But we rarely hear about how our church hurt and spiritual abuse finds healing in the person of the Spirit. So, so this, is a tr- this is the Trinity at work right now. And, and the Spirit uses these things called the gifts of the Spirit to, to heal one another, to really find and work healing in the church. And I think that's profound. And that's what we're talking about today. If last week was about abuse and how God heals us from it, today is about proper use, right? I love that old Latin phrase, abuse does not cancel proper use. Part of growing in maturity is distinguishing those two, not throwing out the baby with the bathwater, right? And so today is how to become a community of healing through the gifts of the Spirit. How many of you have heard that phrase, spiritual gifts or gifts of the Spirit? Yeah, super Christian phrase, right? Um, it's, it actually comes, it's ancient. It's actually from the Bible. Uh, Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit, and, and he, he uses one word. We, we have four words, gifts of the Spirit, but it's all one word in Greek. It's just spirituals. It's not a word, we, it doesn't make sense in English, but in Greek, it is the word for gifts of the Spirit, the spirituals. Dr. Bashir, is, he defines it just Holy Spirit stuff. I love that. The stuff the Spirit does. And so the title for today's teaching is The Spirituals and How to Enjoy Them. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12 because when it comes to this topic, there's no better place in the Bible, in my opinion, to go. There's no better place than 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Um, so in this, in this passage that you have open, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is responding to a question. It's a question a lot of us still have. The early church had this question, what the heck are the spirituals? 
we're, we're, we're tripping out on what this even is. And, and, and there's different kinds of examples of how spiritual things work in the world. There's all these different ideas. How, how do the spirituals, the gifts of the Spirit work? What even are they? Um, so if you're like, what are we even talking about? <laughs> you're in good company because that was the question Corinth had. And Paul responds like this. Here's his answer. Ready? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. He says, now about the spirituals, the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. Okay? So Paul's talking to us right now. He's saying, Park Hill, trust me, you don't want to miss this stuff. You don't want to miss out. You don't want to just opt out of spiritual gifts because the Holy Spirit wants to breathe on every single one of you, not just the whole church as a whole, but you and your wiring uniquely. God wants to breathe like a sail in your, like a, like, like a sail on your ship and fill it with his breath. And he wants to blow you out into the world uniquely uh, so that your city will see Jesus. That's it. And so your, your neighborhood and your workplace and your family and your roommates will see the, the evidence of God. He's like, you don't want to miss that. So some of you, I'll just pause, elephant in the room. Some of you might be like, why are we talking about spiritual gifts when there's like real physical pain and war and political tension in the world? Like real pain. Why aren't we talking about justice or something? Something tangible that we can see. And, and, and what does the Holy Spirit stuff, you know, have to do with like the real pain in the world? And to which I would just respond, everything has everything to do with it. The work of the Spirit has everything to do with the pain of the world because the whole point of spiritual gifts is that love might be tangibly released through this community. That's the whole point of them. It's not just so that we like stare at each other's gifts and think we're awesome and miraculous, but so that we would be animated out as Jesus' body in the world to heal the world. This is the point of all of this so the spiritual gifts has everything to do with healing the pain of the world. I love what one of my friends, uh, Brian, out in Missouri, he says, the war out there won't stop until the war in here stops. And this is how we address it, through tangible love animated by the Spirit. This is why Paul's like, I don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed on this stuff. You don't want to miss out, trust me. It's incredible what God wants to activate here. Not just in the Sunday gathering, hopefully here, for sure in a gathering, but, but at Park Hill Kids and tonight at Seek First Sunday, what does God want to bubble up to reveal himself through his people? And, and, and at your community dinners and on your vacations and in your interactions with neighbors and coworkers, like real Holy Spirit evidence so that when people see the way we love, the only explanation is like God is among them. This is what we long for. We don't want to be uninformed or standoffish about this. So Paul continues, verse 2. He says, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and so... Some of you are like, I, I thought we we're talking about spiritual gifts, and now suddenly we're talking about like witchcraft and paganism. What's going on? Well, here's, here's what he's doing. Before he can talk about the good stuff, Paul, Paul, Paul identifies the darkness. He wants us to be clear on what paganism is and how it's different 
than the evidence of God's Spirit. Um, Why? Because Paul wants us to be crystal clear that there are legitimate spiritual experiences that come from sources other than God's Spirit. You hear that? Legitimate, like real spiritual things that come from unholy spirits. Remember Aaliyah's talk last week, stories of people like, like hurting each other and shaming each other um, in the name of the Spirit. Like, like, you're not a real Christian unless you do this or that. And listen, those were absolutely spiritual experiences, bad ones. Bad ones inspired by unholy demonic spirits even. So, so Paul's point, right off the bat, there are Christian spirituals, there's Christian spiritual activity, and then there's pagan spiritual activity. And it's vital that Jesus followers know the difference. It's important that we know the difference. And right away, I just want to you know, pause and say, you know, I know that us versus them language is super unpopular today. Like, I don't like it. <laughs> I, I personally don't like the us versus them language because I, I, I welcome everyone into my life. I, I want to welcome all people into my dining room, regardless of ideology or spiritual beliefs, to be loved like Jesus. Like, I don't like us versus them, you know, Christian versus pagan language, except for the reality of demons. Like, that's, that's actually the us versus them. It's not us versus the pagans. That would be, let's not be that arrogant, like us humans versus pagan humans. No, it's the creator God revealed through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit versus Satan and dark powers. That's the real us, and that's the real verses. Uh, Paul said, we don't us versus them on flesh and blood. People are not the them. It's, it's the spirits behind the darkness that is the them. This is, this is the battle. So I love the Wicca pagan spiritualist. Like, come on, roll out the red carpet, dinner and wine. Come on, in the name of Jesus. You're coming into a Jesus house. Welcome, 100%. Hospitality. It's the anti-Jesus spirit behind that that we identify and we reject. It's, uh, we don't attack people. We, att- we attack ideas and the spirits behind them. This is, this is the way of Jesus. Um, and this means we're not ignorant of Holy Spirit and the difference between Holy Spirit and unholy spirits. So that's what Paul's doing. So what is the difference? What is the difference? You know, you can get on your phone and like, like search in your map pagan shops and they come up like explicitly. There's like pagan shops and they're, they're like, yeah, we're pagan. We're not Christian. It's very clear and they're very clear on the source of their spirituality, and they're very clear that there is no difference between creator and creation. It's all oneness, and you are just as much God as the fly on your wall. And that is pagan spirituality, and it's very clear. Um, Now, there's also a lot of classic pagan spirituality that is trying to pass as Christian. And and that that is where Paul comes in and says, I don't want you to be unaware. Um... Unitarian churches, Unitarian fellowships are very explicit in their rejection of the divinity of Jesus or the reality of a trinity or even the existence of a person called God. And they redefine God to be just the oneness that we are. And, uh, and yet they call themselves churches. So this is just important to know because the reality of spirits, again, not us versus them with humans, <laughs> but with spirits. 
And I remember sitting at lunch, one of my dear friends who, who is, you know, he's, he's a, he was a pastor of a church in San Diego uh, that preached that kind of theology, you know, the, the unorthodox oneness, kind of everything is God. And he looked across the table. He's like, Evan, tell me who Jesus is. Like, who do you see Jesus as? So I talked about Jesus. And he's like, here's who I see Jesus as. Jesus is, Jesus is not God any more than you are God. Um, and, and, and he went on to describe basically paganism. And he's like, yeah, but I think I can call it Christian. This is a new wave in Christianity or whatever. And uh, this is what Paul would say. These communities might even be loving and serving the poor, which we can applaud. And having beautiful worship services, which we can say that's wonderful art. And they might even manifest miraculous healings. You know, I think of the Moses story, you know, the Prince of Egypt story. Were Pharaoh's magicians successful in working miracles? Absolutely. Totally. It's real. <laughs> that stuff is real. Spiritism is real. And, and they could do it up to a point. At some point, Yahweh showed them who was actual boss of the universe. Um, but this is what Paul is saying. There are plenty of spiritual experiences out there that are real that do not come from God. And even, even though they may, they may give you healing, it's like, oh, I feel so much better after that Reiki healing experience or whatever. Um, or, or they give you insight or mental clarity. There are plenty of experiences that seem to manifest good momentary results that are actually rooted in the dominion of darkness. And if we don't have a theology of the demonic, it's just whoosh, you know. Because there are forces that are work at work against God's kingdom. And Paul's like, before we talk about the forces of God's kingdom, we have to distinguish between light and dark. You have to. Uh, remember, it's not about people, it's about spirits. So how do you tell the difference? How do you tell the difference? Paul gives a simple test of true Holy Spirit activity. Ask the question, is Jesus as Lord the root and goal of this activity? That's it. 1 Corinthians 12, 3, no spirit speaking on behalf of Satan can say Jesus is Lord with any meaningfulness. So is Jesus is Lord the goal? So when you're encountering a spiritual experience, maybe you see a miracle or a gift or, or maybe you're healed or you have a good experience at that church that denies the divinity of Jesus or whatever, is that spiritual experience rooted in the declaration that Jesus is Lord? Is that where it's leading? And I don't just mean, does it mouth Jesus is Lord, like it mouths those words. I mean, does it celebrate Jesus as the God and authority of all life? And is the goal of that spiritual experience that people would ultimately confess and find healing in Jesus as the authority of the world? Like my whole body comes under Jesus' authority. Is that the goal of this spiritual activity? In today's world, just because something is spiritual doesn't mean it's from the Holy Spirit. Understand. Again, it's a simple test. Is it rooted in that confession that Jesus has authority over my body and over the universe? And is that where it's leading people? This is the test. This is the test. And so, okay. <laughs> we got past the test. And now Paul's like, now that we're clear on the source... 
of true spirituality, we can start enjoying the real stuff. We can enjoy it now. And so Paul lists the good stuff. And we should be looking for this at Park Hill. We should be not just looking for the good stuff. We should be actively trying to do it. Practicing it, seeing it bubble up when we're together. We should be pursuing this. Tonight at Seek First Sunday, we're going to give space for this. Pray for healing. Pray for prophetic words of encouragement to be spoken, sister over brother, brother over sister, back and forth, that the Spirit would have his way actively through his church. And this is, honestly, this is that supernaturally natural stuff that should be normal in the community of Jesus. So here we go, the good stuff. You ready? Verse 4. He says, there's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Do you see the pattern? What, what repeated words are there? Yeah, yeah, they're underlined. Different, same, different, same. Yeah, main, so main point, write this down, tattoo it on your arm like Drew Enos in Greek, you know, tattoo it. Uh, we are both diverse in our gifts and united by the Spirit. All of us. All of you, you guys. This means when it comes to how God uses people, it is 100% inclusion, 0% shame. This is how God wants to use you. This means, you know what this means? Every single person here has a finite gift to bring, and every single one of those gifts matters infinitely to God. So I ask you, what's yours? What's your gift? What's your thing? I want to see it. I need it. What are you bringing in this room? What are you bringing in your community groups? What about you does the Holy Spirit want to breathe on to activate into this community in ways only he can? What do you have to bring? What if we all came into this church and into these spaces like, contributing rather than consuming mindsets. I know that the American church kind of structure is not super conducive all the time to that. Like right now, there's one guy holding a mic, unfortunately, in front of you and you're consuming, you're listening. But what, what, if, we, what if we tried as best we can to see this as kind of the, the huddle and the actual church game is when we stand up off our seats and go, okay, what am I being, and what am I being activated What's being activated in me for the sake of other people around me? This is what this is about. What is your gift? What's your, what spiritual thing do you have that the Spirit wants to breathe on for the common good? Paul gives three general buckets. He, he talks about gifts, services, and then what he calls workings. What's a gift when the Spirit breathes on it? Gift is any ability you have you have the next slide. It's any ability you have that the Spirit can pick up, animate, magnify, and repurpose. I love that. Anything. <laughs> Computer programming, praying for healing, changing a diaper, like sweeping, math, like you name it. Any, any ability you have that the Spirit can pick up, animate, magnify, repurpose specifically to carry on the work of Jesus. Like Pete Winstead, sitting there in the middle with his stroller and his amazing new baby, he, the Spirit breathed on his soul and animated Pete 
to counsel a group of people last you know, year in money management. What does it look like to grow in generosity and giving? And he's, ex- he's exceptional at organizing finances, and he helped the church do that so that people in the church could not just be more generous to the church, but actually know what they're up against financially for themselves. And it was beautiful. This is the spirit blowing on your pre-existing wiring in heavenly capacities. What's yours? What's yours? You guys, this church is not going to be the same unless you step up and engage the spirit with your wiring. Anything. It can be, I, I, I hate supernatural, natural categories. That's not, those aren't categories in the scriptures. Uh, but it could be miracles or it could be administration. You know what I mean? What is the spirit animating in you? And then the second bucket, service. Service in verse five is a place or role or office in the church where Christians are called and identified to serve. So elders, pastors, pastoral team, paid and unpaid staff, you community leaders, you are in a Holy Spirit animated service role. Um, point leaders for coffee setup and chair setup, tear down, royal family kids, uh, all of these things are, are identified capacities that the Spirit breathes on. And then the third bucket is that bucket workings. It's kind of a junk drawer phrase for all the stuff the Spirit does. Are, do you want this? He's saying you are, you are being invited to be animated by the Spirit. There's all sorts of stuff the Spirit wants to do here through you to carry his mission forward. So much, you guys. Untapped, unlocked activity still in this church, right here in this room. Um, again, tonight at Seek for Sunday, we're going to chase after this. But teaching kids, you, also this fall, you heard David Wade give announcements. He is leading the way in the beginning, the birth of Park Hill Youth this fall. So Park Hill Youth. So if you are under 18, between 13 and 18, we will have a youth community at this church. And, and maybe some of you are being animated by the Spirit to step up and like, what is, what is my role in this? I, I have a passion for this or whatever. Or maybe it's giving and generosity. Is God breathing on your life that you might give more generously or maybe more rhythmically, maybe commit to a, an actual rhythm of giving in faith. Whatever it is, there's so much diversity in everyone here, so much that God is doing. And I just want to say, last week, you guys, Royal Family Kids Camp was so beautiful, and I wasn't even there the whole week. How many of you were there at Royal Family Kids Camp? Come on. Like... The whole church gave thousands of dollars for kids from the foster system in San Diego to be present at this camp and loved and seen. And then 50 some odd volunteers paid their way and went to God knows how many trainings just to be present to these kids for one week. And Sandy and I went on Tuesday and then on Thursday and we just observed the spirit animating diverse servants in, in different ways. There were like, you know, they use code words like uh, 
uncles and cousins and grandpas, all the, all the volunteers. And, and the cousins are the ones who are like, like dorm watchers. And then the uncles are kind of the older volunteers that are, function like spiritual parents. And then some of them are exceptionally wizened and gray, and they get the title grandpa and grandma. And, and everyone just kind of teams up and kind of triangulates and serves from different angles. And, and you see the spirit manifesting love to the point where it's like, this has to be God. God is among them. And guess what? Those kids, they're back in their foster homes now. And they're like, what the heck was last week? Like in their little seven-year-old, eight-year-old mental capacity, their souls have been stretched to receive love in ways they would never, they've never experienced in that way with that many people. And, and they're like, gonna look back on that core memory, think, so, okay, so that love, so that's what God feels like. So that's what God talks like. That's how God loves. They will have this. This is the why of the spiritual gifts. So that not just 30 beautiful young ones at a camp, but 3 million beautiful, all ages population of San Diego County would be able to look at the church and see that is the paradoxical, beautiful, inexplicable love that can only be explained as if God is among them. And, and, and I see this, and I see the church, how they love. This is, this is what Paul is begging for us to see. And so, so there's so much God wants to release here. And, and there's so much he is releasing. I don't want to diminish what's already happening. It's beautiful. You'll hear a couple stories in a moment, and then we'll come to the table. But Paul's point is that it all flows from the Trinity. The same Spirit gives the gifts. The same Lord Jesus is in charge, and the same Father God is showing off his heart. Diverse gifts in each of us, one God through all of us. And I just want to say, this is the opposite of how our culture operates. You guys, if you have your phones with you, then at some point this weekend, you looked at your phone and you saw the opposite of the gifts of the Spirit. You saw a culture that's trying to create algorithms specifically to sell you something tailored to your hatred (laughs) or tailored to your cravings. Um, But in doing this, Facebook and Google, they continue to divide us. And if they successfully continue to divide us, they make tons of cash right? And so in our culture, in our current moment of detachment and anxiety, our world will see love that is, our world will see the kind of belonging that it longs for as we grow in the gifts of the Spirit, because it's so different. And so Paul starts getting specific here. Paul ends with specifics in verses 7 through 11. Let's walk through them. And we're going to clear up some confusion. You know, there's a lot of A lot of opinions on the gifts of the Spirit, and there's always been disagreement, and that's okay. The goal is not to define them perfectly, but to practice them as faithfully as we can. That's the goal of the gifts. Not to define them perfectly, but to to do them, like children. And so just humbly, this is how Park Hill, our, our leadership team, this is how we seek to pursue the gifts as faithfully as we can. So verse seven, Paul says, now to each one, The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Okay, what's, that's kind of a scary word. What's manifestation of the Spirit? I like how Dr. Bashir's talks about it. He says, a manifestation of the Spirit can be an eruption of Spirit activity or empowerment in any believer at 
any time. This is broader than just a gift, which is like your wiring or your enduring ability, but it can, of course, include those gifts. So this opens up expectancy and availability to the Spirit who works as He wills, so long as we don't quench Him, right? The Spirit is a person. We can make Him sad through our, through our rebellion and our sin. So don't quench Him. Partner with Him. And He can literally do anything. What if we entered this place like that? So there's lots of examples of these manifestations in the Bible. You know, people touching Jesus' robe. Wild story. And Jesus like, I felt power leave me. What is that? What does that feel like, power leaving you? I want to feel that. That's awesome. I want to feel power leaving me accidentally, you know. Um, or, or Paul, you know the story in Acts 19, people touch Paul's hanky, literally touch his handkerchief, and people are healed. You guys don't know how to explain that other than a bubbling up, a manifestation of the Spirit. There are stories like this in Scripture, or even Paul miraculously blinding a pagan sorcerer in Acts 13 when that sorcerer tries to squish the gospel. The Spirit allows a blindness to show externally what's actually going on in the spiritual realm. Wild stuff. Don't ask me anything other than manifestation of the Spirit to show the dominion of light over and against the dominion of darkness. And that's the point, you guys. The Holy Spirit wants to do this stuff in each of us. Do you anticipate this? Is this, this is the level of anticipation we're supposed to have. Any one of you at any time can manifest the power of the Spirit for the common good of the whole church so that Jesus is Lord becomes the goal of the moment. Are you ready for that? Is that something you're like leaning forward for? Paul commands us to eagerly desire it in chapter 14. So keep reading verse 8. So manifestations, verse 8. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, and to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. So what are those two things? Uh, Some, you know, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. These are two different gifts. They sound the same, but they're different. So here's the wisdom one. Message of wisdom. Next slide. So a message of wisdom There are two main ways this shows up in Scripture and in experience. Number one, the Spirit-empowered ability to take the truths of Scripture and practically apply them to everyday life. You guys, this is why we seek mentors. (laughs) Christian godly mentors, women and men, spiritual fathers and mothers that are able to listen and then just speak wisdom. And this doesn't have to be old people that are older than you, although it usually is, people that walk with the Spirit for a long time. You're like, I just want some of, I want one hour a month with that person, please. You know those people, I wish I could just do one hour a month with that. That's, that's this gift. And, and it's not just older people. Some of, some of the wisest people in my life that I seek spirit-empowered wisdom from are younger than me, just gifted by the person of the spirit. And Paul prays for this. In Acts 6.3, one of the job requirements for a church deacon is that they're, quote, full of the spirit and wisdom. This is a requirement for being a deacon in the church. Um, And then the second way this message of wisdom gift manifests, the second way, you have the next slide, it can come as a spontaneous, in-the-moment manifestation of a God-given insight into your mind for someone else. 
you've been in a time of listening prayer or you've been in a community prayer time and you're just like, Holy Spirit, come, let's wait on the Lord. And then maybe you put someone in the middle of the room. Let's just pray for Jane tonight. And you pray for Jane. You set Jane up in the hot seat, we call it. And we just, Lord, would you pour out your love on Jane? Would you reveal your heart for Jane to this community? And let's just wait for one minute in silence. And then you wait in one, well, you wait for silence. And then someone says, you know, Jane, I just sense this coming. I don't know if it's the Lord, but it's the scripture. Or maybe it's this picture. And I just, I, I just want to pray this word over you. And it's, it's this word. And it's just, it's a moment of wisdom of revealing God's heart transforming love to that person. And it comes spontaneously and the spirit can breathe on it. This happens regularly in our nights of prayer. It happens every single Seek for Sunday. Come tonight, be a part of it. Be a part of it. So that's message of wisdom. And then there is message of knowledge or word of knowledge. This is another spiritual gift Paul mentions. And there are two main ways this shows up in the Bible and in life. Number one, the spirit-empowered ability to research and remember and make effective use of information especially in a teaching situation. So, you know, this happens through spirit-empowered teachers. I think of like Tim Mackey, my friend Tim, who founded the Bible Project. How many of you know those Bible Project videos? They're incredible. So living in Portland for four years, there's so many incredible people up there that are, that are, that are preaching uh, the scriptures. And, and it's interesting how that progressive city created kind of a, a seedbed of, of orthodox Bible teachers, almost like the pressure of secularism created like this incubation, this incubator of, of godly, gifted, spirit-empowered gospel communicators. And one of them is Tim Mackey, another one, John Mark Comer from up there, just friends of the church. And there's these guys where it's like, oh, I get it now. Like, oh, they brought this thing that I've always wondered down to where I can finally get it. Oh, I have so much faith in the Bible now. Like I, under, like, I trust the Bible, finally. I had this question. I thought the Bible was messy. Wasn't the Bible put together by a bunch of Roman, uh, Roman propaganda underwritten by Caesar, and it was actually messy, and there are other books that should be in the Bible, books in the Bible that shouldn't be? Isn't the Bible kind of just put together by the patriarchy and, like, all of this? And then Tim Mackey's like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, actually, yeah, none of that should bother us. And here's why. The Bible's messy, but it's fully divine. Like he can just, boom. <laughs> he nails it with these like six minute animated videos. That is spirit inspired word of knowledge. That is a teaching gift. Uh, you think of the person who first told you the gospel in a way you're like, oh my gosh, that's the best thing I've ever heard. Yes. That person manifested a word of knowledge. See, and so, but there's a second way that the word of knowledge gift manifests, and it's through a spontaneous, spirit-given piece of information that could not have been known without the spirit. You guys, this is the one you don't need seminary for. You don't need to read the Bible for 100 years for. You don't need to read all the books out there on theology. This is a deposit from the spirit into your mind that did not come from anything but the spirit's mind. This happens. This happens. Jesus manifested this kind of word of knowledge several times as a fully human being, Jesus, and fully God, but he did everything he did in his body through the power of the Spirit. And in John 4, he's talking to a woman. Remember last week, Aaliyah's sermon. The woman's like, I don't have a husband. And Jesus is like, you're right, you have no husband. 
You've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. I know this. How? (laughs) By a word of knowledge, by the power of the Spirit. And Jesus says, you can do greater things than these, by the power of the Spirit. Right? So the number of times I've watched the Spirit do this, I've lost count. So here's one of the more recent stories. I When possible, I love to tell the most recent stories I can think of, (laughs) of how the Spirit works. It's a great practice. So, fresh story. Erica Mayado, who's here, she's one of our elders. Luis and Erica have been on the elder team since last year. And how many of you remember when Mike Pilavachi was here in early May? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Mike Pilavachi, like bold, gifted spiritual father, gifted in practicing words of knowledge. And he preached here the first Sunday of May. I think, you can, I think it's just titled Mike Pilavachi. You can listen on the podcast. But at the end of his teaching, he did, he did that thing, you know, the Mike thing, <laughs> where he's like, let's just wait. Let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to do right here. And then he was silent for like two minutes, super awkward, just quiet. And then he said, you know, I just... I sense God wants to speak to a few of you, and in humility, I might get it wrong, and if I do get it wrong, nobody dies, but here it is. I sense, I sense maybe if, if you're here, and first of all, Erica came to church that day and was very, very sad. Erica, over five years before, five or six years before, had lost a parent. And now... She, in the last month, had lost three loved ones. And all of the new grief was unearthing that old grief in a surprising way, and it made her not want to deal. And I asked her if I could share the story. She said yes, and she retold me the story last night. So she had an old pain that was being irritated and triggered by this, these new deaths in her, in her family. And she's coming to church that Sunday morning like, I just, I just can't. I don't want to deal. I don't want to do with it. I'm having a hard time. And so she's sitting there, and Mike, and Mike says, I just sense there's someone here. Five and a half years ago, something happened, and you're dealing with the bereavement. You're mourning loss from five and a half years ago. And then something in the last three or so weeks uh, caused you to re visit that pain, and now you're suffering from both pains. And this morning, you told someone about it. You said, I don't want to deal with this. And if, if you're comfortable doing so, would you stand up? Because I want you to know God sees you, and we're going to pray God's love over you. And you can imagine, Erica just, there's only one person that fits in the room. She gets up the sobbing, and, just, and people come around her. And in that moment, Erica's like, I am seen. I'm seen. By the love of my Father. You guys, this is what the Spirit wants to do all over the place. Are you willing? Is that, I love how Mike says it. Is, how does it happen for you, Mike? He's like, it happens with a thought. <laughs> Holy Spirit, would you come? Use me in someone's life. And then there's a thought. And I'm like, that's a weird thought. I wasn't expecting that thought. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with that thought? And he just says, obey me with that thought. He's like, all right, here I go. And he says, this might not be the Lord. This might be, but I just sense this for you for comfort, encouragement, and love. Here it is. And he's committed, Lord, whenever you give me those thoughts, I will obey you. Are you, are you willing to do that? 
The Spirit is calling all of us to do this. As one of my friends uh, says, the awesome is in the awkward. Let's step into the awkward for the sake of the kingdom. It's a simple matter of praying and obeying. So we have words of wisdom, words of knowledge. What else do we have? Now Paul does this bucket with five gifts in it, starting with faith. Most Bible scholars think this is a separate little bucket starting with faith. It's like the faith power bucket. And, and, and so he says, to another, faith by the same spirit, to another, gifts of healing, another, miracles. I want that one. That's awesome. Uh, miraculous powers. Yes, please. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between the spirits. So this is like the faith bucket. So let me ask, what's the gift of faith? Isn't faith something every Christian has? Like you're saved by grace through faith, right? That's true. Paul's talking about something else here. It's a special measure of faith to believe God and see God respond for things you wouldn't otherwise envision. It's like when you I'm believing God for this healing. That's the gift of faith. So some of these things that the gift of faith leads to, some of them are healings and miracles, Healings and miracles are plural, which suggests there are different kinds of healings. There are different kinds of miracles. And remember, Paul doesn't have supernatural and natural as two different categories. It's all just the universe <laughs> that God is in charge of. And so healings, what is a gift of healing? Well, I want to I elevate professional healing as a gift of healing. Christian doctors People calling on the name of Jesus who are empowered and learned and read and research and pass the tests and everything and become physicians in the name of Jesus to heal. That is a gift the Spirit animates. When we talk about the gift of healing, we often diminish doctors. But that's not what the Spirit does. He animates all of our wiring. So the spiritual gift of professional healing in Jesus' name is extremely legitimate. Christian doctors, Christian therapists regularly and there's also the spirit-empowered gift of miraculous healing. We might call it divine healing, which may happen through any of you. You don't know anything about physiology, and you say, Lord, help their pain. And he helps their pain. <laughs> like anytime, anywhere, often, rarely, if ever. If you want to dig deeper into divine healing, you guys, we did a two-part teaching on this in the summer of 2020 called Does God Heal Today? I recommend you go back and listen to it. It's not on the podcast because it's too long ago. We can, we can send you those audio files if you email us. Does God Heal? And honestly, just get the book. Most of it was taken straight from the book on the back table by John Wimber called Power Healing. Highly recommend that book. Best book out there on the miraculous power of God to heal those who call upon him in faith. It's incredible. Um, so good. Power healing. Now also under the gift of faith, Paul lists prophecy. And so what is prophecy? The gift of prophecy, speaking a word from God, whether prepared through weeks and months of prayer and Bible, or spontaneous in the moment. And the result heart-transforming power being unleashed in the family, okay? This is the gift of prophecy. And, and again, we are all called to desire this. And right after prophecy, Paul talks about the gift of discerning prophecy. You don't try prophecy unless there is a discernment gift going on. What is that? That's the community. That's the community. So basically, there's no rogue prophet who hears everything from God and can never be corrected. It's not how it works. So discerning the spirits, it's actually the job of the elders, discerning 
is the job of the elders, but not just the elders. Also relationships and community. Like, do you trust your community? Here's what I sense God doing for this moment. What do we think about that? I submit to the the group on this. That's discerning together. And the point of discerning the spirits, is this prophecy from the Lord or is it from a human brain or maybe worse? And we discern that together. Example of this discernment gift, you know, right here in this church, back in 2019, you know, I'm going back three years. I know I want a fresh story, but this one just paints the picture perfectly, I think. In 2019, a church member, a young man, he had this gut sense that he was supposed to move. He's like, I feel in my spirit that I'm supposed to move. I feel detached, somewhat lonely, and I'd love to move to create, just be part of spiritual family somewhere else. And so this man, he, he, he got counsel, but, but he came to me. He's like, Evan, I need you to lead the way in counseling this, discerning this, because he said, I have to discern this spirit. He's like, I can't just move. I can't move until I discern the spirits. Moving is such a huge deal. He recognized, this man, so much, it's maturity. This is maturity. This man recognized in our transient culture, there's so many spiritual forces working to keep us non-committal. So my gut sense that I just want to move, I need help telling where, what's the source of that? Because I know being present, Jesus was present. And so he's like, I feel these forces moving on me to move at the same time. So Evan, I, I can't move unless you and, and this community, my tight community here, helps me discern the spirits. It's a beautiful example for all of us that feel inclined to move to the next thing. And so this individual ended up committing to stay, and it has not been easy for him, but Jesus has done beautiful things through him and catalyzed through him a new spiritual family for many that are lonely. And it started with this gift called discerning the spirits. So, we, so as we pursue all the, this, this is the point, you guys. As we pursue all the gifts, there's going to be challenges. It's going to be awkward, but we trust the Spirit to speak and to move. We're committed to this. Which brings us to the last two gifts. We're not going to get into, the day, get into them today. You'll see why. Paul comes to the final group. Slide 23, you have that. He says, and to another, we give, he says, God gives speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. So gift of tongues, gift of interpreting tongues. What is the gift of tongues? Helpful definition. It's the spirit-empowered ability to pray or praise God in often non-linguistic languages unknown to the user. So real quick, tongues are spoken to God and prophecy is spoken to people. Paul, Paul puts these together, tongues and prophecy. And just like prophecy has a companion gift of discerning prophecy, tongues has a companion gift of interpreting tongues. He, put, he does check and balance with them. And so why does Paul save these for last? Because they're not controversial at all, right? We all know exactly how to do them. No one has any disagreements about tongues anywhere. We all just, just kidding. No. And, and Paul's saving them to last, not because they're least important, but he's saving them to last 
most likely because they were the most problematic in Corinth at the time. Because in a chapter, he gives all of chapter 14. He's like, now let me drill down on tongues because it seems like you guys have problems with this one. And he, and he does a whole chapter on it. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do that. Um, since Paul devotes a whole separate chapter to tongues and prophecy, we're going to do the same. I'm going to record a special podcast released on Tuesday uh, all about speaking in tongues and prophecy. So if you have any questions about them, any questions, please send them in. And we want it not just to be a digital monologue, but a dialogue. And, and, and I'll hit them in the podcast before we head out on vacation this Wednesday. Um, so that's our list. That's our list of gifts, you guys, from words of knowledge and wisdom, faith, healing, prophecy, all this. And Paul rounds it all out. This is probably the most important part of all is verse 11. He says, all these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he wants. Do you get that? That should free you and excite you and release all shame and lift up your belief. Paul's saying something important and balanced. And honestly, so many churches and Christians, including myself for so much of my life, and maybe even still, I want to remain humble, but we tend to lose this balance. We lose the balance. And if we, if we lose this balance, we fall into shame on one side or unbelief on the other. And, and here's the balance. Next slide. This is it. Here's the balance. These two lines. No single spiritual gift is supposed to be universal for all God's kids. So what does that mean? That means if you ever hear someone who's like, you should all speak in tongues, and if you don't, you don't want God enough. That has been preached so many times to the destruction of faith and a heap shame on people, including, you know, Aaliyah's story last week and my wife's story from junior high. Or if you don't, if you don't see healing in your life, then you need to just get a little less sinful and a little more passionate, and then you'll see God heal. That is not true, not gospel. No single gift is intended to be universal, but listen... At the same time, every spiritual gift is available to all God's kids at any time. Because the Spirit gives them as He determines, not as we determine. And so we can come into a room like this, or into a church, or into a faith community, and, 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 and we can expect at any moment that God will bubble up, and He'll use you. We're supposed to live like we expect this stuff to happen. Let me ask you, do you expect this? Do you expect when you ask for healing, even raising the dead? I know it's a wild idea, but do you expect all the things that Jesus said, casting out demons and healing the sick? And all, Do you expect these things to happen through his spirit-filled church today, through you today? Is this something that you're living into? Do you practice all the gifts and listen, there is no such thing as, oh, I don't have that gift. That's not a thing. Because Paul says we should eagerly desire all the gifts in 1 Corinthians 14. But Evan, I thought you said we don't have all the gifts. Because he gives them as he wants. Yes, that's why. Because he gives them as he wants. So you can't just say, oh, I'm not gifted in tongues. That's not a thing. Oh, I'm not gifted in prophecy. That's not a thing. 
Do you understand? It's something he gives at any moment, at any time, and we just live like children with our hands open. That's all we do. Waiting in faith for our entire lifetime until we are either dead or Jesus returns to eliminate the need for the gifts altogether because he's fully present. Like our whole life is like children with open hands. So do you live this way? Practically stepping into tongues. Practically stepping into praying for healing. How do I even do that? How do I even do that? It, the, the picture of a child is the picture we're looking for. Talk about that more on Tuesday. So as we're going to see in the Tuesday podcast, we're all commanded to desire this eagerly for heart transformation in the church. Again, that verse, all these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. You guys, this flows from him. I love what Mike Pilavachi says. We're just the waiters. <laughs> Jesus is the chef. What's the need? What are we hungry for? Let's write it down and take it to the chef and open our hand and let him put something in and then deliver it to someone in need. That's all we do. We don't cook anything up. Jesus cooks it up. Jesus cooks it up. And it's his for his glory in the church. So uh, as we wrap, three observations for us. Uh, we're gonna come to the table. We're gonna sing. And I know there's a baptism today, which is beautiful. Um, three observations for us. Number one, what does this mean? Jesus wants a charismatic community. And if that word charismatic freaks you out, that's okay. Just put spirit-driven in there instead. Jesus wants a spirit-driven community. Whatever your background, it's clear as day. Paul pictures a community where the Holy Spirit operates in tangible ways through these gifts, healing and miracles and tongues. Here at Park Hill, we long to grow in all these things. So we're going to be actively chasing them tonight, seek for Sunday, so I wanna encourage you, maybe right now, just like open up your hands and invite the Spirit and ask the Spirit right now. Say, Holy Spirit, how are you calling me to open myself more radically to these possibilities? What's the one step that you can take more deeply into anything we've just discussed? Are you willing? Jesus wants a charismatic community. And number two, Jesus wants a charismatic community. <laughs> Emphasize community. It's not just one for one. It's all of us for one another. None of these gifts are just for our own benefit. But don't get me wrong. You will experience deep intimacy with the Father as you step into these gifts. And he will minister just to you beautifully. But it doesn't stop there. It goes through you for others. Each of us are diverse and gifted and he wants to breathe through you. So, so right now, look around you in the room. Who has Jesus put on your heart in this room? Maybe you saw that other man or woman and you're like, I don't know why I just have this, this, this love for them. I just want them to, to know that God loves them in this specific way. That is what the Spirit does. What would it look like during communion to say, hey, can I pray for you? I know you don't know me. i just love to pray for you. And then let the Spirit pray through you. And number three, finally, the confession, Jesus is Lord, is the whole point. 
Jesus is Lord is where this whole thing is headed. So I want to open up the waters of baptism right now. I know Salma is here and she's going to be baptized. If any of you have never been baptized, (laughs) we can talk all day about spiritual experiences and loving one another as Jesus loves us. But if we don't start and recognize the destination as Jesus is Lord, then we're we're missing everything. So I would love to have us stand together. Let's all stand. And we're going to come to the table. But before we do, I would like to invite anyone, everyone, uh, to respond to the gospel. If you've never been baptized, this is why you are here today. If you've never been baptized and said yes to Jesus as Lord, through the way Jesus gave us, the waters of baptism, then let today be the day. I don't care. You know, it doesn't matter if you didn't dress to get wet. We have a shirt for you and we're ready to bring you into the water. If you've never been baptized, let today be the day.